Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlewy.net for further information. Hello everyone, Mark here from the Build Up podcast. Our full episode for this week will be going into our podcast feed tomorrow morning, Thursday. But I thought we'd give you a sneak preview of this week's episode by bringing you Stephen Ferris's immediate reaction to the Ireland squad announcement. We spoke to him a little earlier on. We also previewed the Champions Cup games this weekend with Stephen as well. Don't forget, you can get the full episode tomorrow where we chat to Kevin Doyle about the upcoming football matches this weekend, including, of course, Liverpool against Man United. And we will also preview the GEA club finals and, of course, the NFL Conference Championship plus much more besides but without further ado here is Stephen Stephen we'll be uh, chatting more about Ireland in weeks to come but uh, we couldn't let the moment pass the squad has just been named for the Six Nations uh, be- just before we came on air chatting to you uh, what's your immediate reaction to it? Yeah I'll tell you what I'm um, just looking through I suppose from an officer perspective and like watching the style and the class and standard of rugby that Ulster played this season. I'm really, really disappointed for Stuart McCluskey, who has been left out of the squad. I know he was um, included in the wider squad there about six weeks ago, and everybody thought that Andy Farrell was maybe going to give him an opportunity at some stage, but no, that seems like that door is maybe closed once again. And yes, at the weekend against Claremont, there was one opportunity where he should have let a pass go and possibly Ulster would have had a a four-on-one in the corner, but he, he put the head down. And I, I just had this feeling that Andy Farrell could probably bring out the best of Stuart McCluskey. He could maybe you know, help him work on that part of his game, recognising space outside him, making the right decisions at the right times. You know, Farrell played in the centre for England. Um, you know, he, he more or less played at half-back for, for Wigan Warriors for years. So, you know, he could point him in the right direction, but I'm sure Stuart McCluskey isn't sitting at home feeling very, very sorry for himself because I don't know what else he, he can do. He leads all the, the stats and, uh, and everything this season in both the European Cup and uh, Pro 14. So, utterly disappointed for him. And, um, you know, I, I honestly thought Farrell would have given him an opportunity, but not the case. Do you think that might be down to what you were talking about last week as well in terms of the, his versatility, just that he can't really cover 12 and 13, that maybe that's something to weigh against him. It's hard to know, though, because, again, if you're going on foreign players, he was really a standout probably coming into this week. Yeah, I think I tell you guys about uh, your record here, McCluskey is going to get much you know, international exposure, and I was like, probably not. And the reason for that is because of, you know, he, he really only played 12, and uh, that Bundy Hockey, Robbie Henshaw, are two lads that are in front of him, and seemed to be, you know, in terms of Ireland selection, a good bit in front of him. So unless one of those lads or both of those lads can time with injury, he's probably not going to get a look in. Um, however, I still thought he would have been in the mixer in terms of the squad and been able to show Andy Farrell what, what he's about. But, you know, it, it's just, uh, I think it's, it's still pretty raw seeing that squad and I'm not seeing his name there. And I suppose it doesn't give much hope that the other lads fan out of their skins um, somebody like Nick Roddick as well who's, who's been brilliant and isn't getting the look in it's, uh, it's a strange one yeah and we'll talk about the forwards in a minute but I'm just looking at, at the kind of backs because I think everybody's first and like in our office like where everybody's waiting for the team to come in and 
I mean, everybody's reaction, the first part, like, you know, without any kind of Ulster bias here outside of Mark, um, <laughs> you know, everybody in the office still kind of like almost in, in a neutral kind of way just went, geez, there's no Stuart McCluskey there. It does kind of stand out. But when I'm just kind of breaking it down here, you've got three scrum halves and three out halves. And we'll talk about Billy Burns getting the, the call up in a second. Yeah. You've got, um, you know, you kind of, your, your wingers in Keith Earl, Stockdale and, and Conway were kind of nailed on. Dave Carney gets the call as the fourth winger. You've got um, Jordan Larimer and Addison, kind of covering full back. Obviously, Addison can cover everywhere, but the centre in particular, and yeah. the centre are the World Cup centres of, of, of Bundiaki, uh, Henshaw, Ringrose, and Chris Farrell. Like, it's funny, when you kind of break it down by position, it does kind of, like, there's almost, there isn't that opening. But at the same time, for a new coach making his new mark, it does kind of suggest, like, you know, you need to be a little bit bold here, and there is the informed player, and it doesn't say a lot for the... Um, yeah, it doesn't say a lot for the yeah. uh, for the for the players tr- playing. You know, the the people who kind of say, you know, is this guy going to pick on form or is he going to pick on reputation? Yeah, like you said, there, you know, Andy Farrell, you know, putting a new stamp or a new mark on this team. I don't think he has, um, and you know, that was something that I was really looking forward to was seeing what you know what surprises he was going to make. And yes, he added somebody like Tom to the forwards there, um, Hefferman as well, you know, in there, but. Like no, there wasn't really a huge surprise um, selection added in there uh, at all. Um, it's the same old faces, but uh, I've said a number of times in the last couple of years when it comes to international rugby, you know, experience counts for an awful lot. So maybe Andy Farrell, his first Six Nations major tournament in charge of, of Ireland, he wants to try and you know. Are supposed to be maybe be a little selfish, and uh, you know, make sure that he goes with that experience, goes with guys that he's worked with previously in trust. Um, hopefully, they come up trumps for him in, in the first couple of games, and he can get off to a winning start as an Ireland head coach. That's probably what he's thinking about, and the rest of the coaches staff are thinking about. But um, yeah, like McCluskey, I'm still, still thinking about it here. Like it's kind of yeah. get over. It's somebody like my, my cat as well who's coming in. He'd be going. You know what? I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. I can't wait to work on a few things with him, and we'll look at this, and we'll do our video analysis. You know, keys that um, and you might look out for to, to make you a better player. Yet again, he's and and my opinion's shafted. Like so, yeah. uh, but I think Stuart, you know, Stuart has been a one man club. Uh, uh, he always hung around Ulster and. You know, clubs in France will be knocking on his door if he decides to, to walk away from from rugby in Ireland. Um, I know he loves the province well, and you know he's probably getting well paid and everything else at Ulster, but he could certainly go across the water mm. uh, to England or, or to France and make a hell of a lot of, of money. And I think, personally speaking, in my own opinion, you know he he does still have international ambitions. And when you keep getting that door closed in your face, and sometimes you have to make a decision for yourself and for your family. And you know who, who knows what's around the corner for sure, but plus. Yeah, I suppose that the the other side of that is that it's a long tournament, and you know if one of those guys does, uh, you know, succumb to injury, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility, he could still find himself um, being called up at some stage over the course of the tournament. Uh, just looking at the squad here, though, you mentioned Reese Ruddock not being in, McCluskey not being in. There's 
in terms of like the way he's like it's not it's not a, a squad picked for youth but it's also not a squad picked like based on experience there doesn't seem to be a real pattern to it like if you look like there's there's it, it, it's great to see guys like Max Deegan uh Kalen Doris um uh, Dave Heffernan Ronan Kelleher Jack O'Donoghue Tom O'Toole um you know uh Billy Burns as we mentioned earlier and you know uh and these guys being called up um but at the same time then like it's like he's gone back to Devin Toner he's back at the squad it kind of like so there's no kind of it doesn't seem to be a cutoff point which makes I suppose we were talking about McCluskey but it makes the exclusion of Reese Ruddock even all the more surprising doesn't it that there doesn't seem to be this kind of like move just to the future no like um like Reese Ruddock's 29 years of age like you know, he, he's he could certainly make another World Cup. Um, you know, he just turned 29. Uh, you know, France in three years' time or four years' time, he's only going to be 32 years of age. Like so, just you know, he's playing the rugby of his life. He's he's captain Leinster. Um, question that I would ask you guys: Who do you think's playing better rugby, Reese Ruddock or Jack O'Donoghue? I would say Reese Ruddock. Um, and I Reese Ruddock has been consistently better than him over the last you know the last year or so. Um, and Rich Agadona, he's come back. He's come back into the picture, and he's been reasonably well. Maybe he's been playing pretty well in an average monster game over the last couple of months. So maybe that's why he stood out a little bit more for Andy Barrell. But again, Reid Roddick, Mister Consistent, steady, really good ball carrier, physical, and he's got experience. And um, he's been overlooked and. I suppose he's another one of those ones, guys, where he's going, geez, what do I have to do here? Like, you know, um, I know some of the, the rock stars at Leinster, like Max Deegan and, and Dylan Doris, grabbed the headlines um, on a weekly basis because of, you know, some, some of their, their game-changing moments that they make. And, and maybe Reese doesn't make enough of those for, for Andy Farrell's liking. But uh, for me, I thought he certainly would have been in there. Um, again, only in my, my opinion, I thought he would have been in ahead of Jack O'Donoghue. Right, yeah, and a, a kind of a leader in the squad as well. Um, one thing that is like a, on a kind of, I suppose, a, a more positive note, or you know, I suppose that it's a question as to as to whether it's a good decision long term. But at least for the Six Nations, anyway, uh, Johnny Sexton has been named the captain. You know, we talked about this a little bit after the World Cup as to kind of who was next. This, the, like, do you think you agree that this is probably the obvious choice at least for the short term? Um, I, I'm not sure, guys. Like, you know. I played under twenty one with Johnny. He's thirty four. Like he's um, he's not getting any younger. Um, a lot of people eighteen months ago, when Rory Bass was sort of had announced that he was kind of on his way out, you know, everybody was looking at the Peter Omani, Peter Omani captain the Lions in the first test in uh, in twenty you know, seventeen. So uh, it's crazy how things you know, change so quickly. Like and I think. Is he the right man for the job? I think he probably is in the short term. But um, going forward, I think Andy Farrell needs to look, needs to look at somebody in the pack um, going forward. And um, I think it's always easier when you have a captain in the pack. They're closer to the referee all the time. I think, you know, even talking about uh, the Scotland game, you know, Stuart Hall being captain of, of, uh, of Scotland or being named captain of Scotland, I think that's, you know, just crazy decision, like uh, madness. Um, a fullback being captain... You're running in and out, speaking to the referees, and we all know how important that is. I mean, especially in international rugby, the demeanour that you speak to the referee um, and, and the way decisions are handled is, is crucial. And also the fact that 
you know, Stuart Hall plays his rugby in Exeter and, you know, has walked away from the, the, the Scottish, uh, you know, the two teams in Scotland, but yet he's going to be captain of Scotland. So I don't think that's really, really, you know, a way that Scotland have looked at this and went, you know what, this is the right decision. Now, yeah. here, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic player, he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I know I'm getting away from the arc thing here, but uh, yeah, in terms of Johnny Sexton, I think yeah, for the short term lads, it's, it's probably the right decision. And maybe yeah. it's maybe been the easy decision for Andy Farrell. It's probably a case of almost giving, you know, if it is to be James Ryan for the next World Cup, it's probably not going to be a 38 year old Johnny Sexton, and to see give him another year or two of uh you know or a year anyway of like getting caps and being a yeah. pack leader almost within the absence of Rory Best and then you know see where that takes you maybe it's a, it's a kind of a short term solution to somebody who probably isn't if if it's not going to be Peter Amatney there really isn't an obvious an obvious long term choice there quite yet is there no I don't think so the only other one's Ian Henderson who's captain uh also really well this season um, I think he made a, a couple of wrong decisions again in the week, and just with uh, like getting the scoreboard taken over, and you know, personal opinion again is that you know Rory Best probably would have pointed to the post a couple of times, but again, that's all about the learning curve. Is he an Irish captain at the minute? Probably not. He might be in the next eighteen months, two years, yeah. um, and he's still young enough to be able to do that. But I think you're right. You know, James Ryan, he's uh, he's a lot of experience as captain in the under twenty. Uh, we're doing pretty well at that and it seems like a bit of a guy that the lads will sort of you know almost build around and, uh, and trust not only because of his actions on the pitch but the way you know controls himself off the pitch so yeah um, I think you know James Ryan is somebody that Ireland and Andy Farrell will probably look to in the future to be Ireland captain uh, speaking of ultra forwards, just looking through the squad as well. Like if you look at the likes of Jack McGrath back in, it shows you like someone who's getting out of Leinster can be good for these players and getting that first team um, rugby. And then also the inclusion of Tom O'Toole as well. Like that's maybe a surprise to some. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you, you're talking about? The way it would be for McCluskey getting into that squad. It's going to be brilliant for him to be around the Ireland camp for his development. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. There's no doubt that he's got a, a lot of. Um, a lot of attributes that makes him a bloody good rugby player. His uh, physicality, he's very strong, he's athletic. Um, but we got to remember that it was, you know, David Nussifor that instigated all this of, of bringing someone to it back into the IR setup. And um, I wonder just how much influence, you know, Nussifor has on um, on our squad selection and everything else. Because, you know, I, I think he's a young guy, but, you know, there's a couple other players that, will be pretty pissed off that you know a young gun is in the head of him considering he's hardly started a match this season. Uh, so yeah, it's brilliant for Tom, it's brilliant for, for Ulster and he's getting exposure at this level and the and the, the intensity of training and everything else. Uh, but if I was, you know, one of those one of those guys down a monster who, who probably didn't get selected, um, then I'd be pretty pissed off to be honest. Uh you mentioned the Ulster game and some of the decision making um there earlier on, just going back to the games at the weekend, uh, that match against Clermont, the lads on BBC Ulster were saying just before half time when Power was standing over that penalty to make it 10 9 that 
do you know it's unbelievable to think that also we're only going in a point up at half time is that was that kind of what was standing out in your mind going in at half time that they hadn't put the scores on the board and it also is it something that I was just wondering at the time is it that does that stick in the player's mind when they're going into the dressing room where they haven't gotten probably the scores that they deserve or that they should be further ahead that it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that you're sort of going out into the second half maybe a slightly nervous thinking geez we should have been we should be further ahead here yeah, definitely. I think it's it's something that um, you know players afterwards and press conferences will probably say, "Oh, yeah, we didn't even think about it at half time." You know, you go out, you try and win the second half. I think that's complete nonsense. I think and when you go in, you know, realistically, it probably should have been what sixteen six at half time. You know, if, if, if yeah, things yeah. had panned out the way they 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 hoped it would have, um, but it didn't. They went to the corner, an overthrow. You know, just a couple of decisions were made um, and you know I still will regret not taking their points but at the same time they went over there they took it to Claremont and they did take it to them for large parts of the game but um, you know Claremont have a, a massively uh, successful home record and it was going to take a huge effort to get a result um, and unfortunately for us they find themselves in a position now where they are looking like the well just with the way Bath are sitting at the bottom of, of Ulster's crew they'll probably hammer Bath this weekend excuse me uh, get five points uh, but that won't be enough to get them a, a home quarter final and yet again they're probably going to have to go away from home and put in their best performance of the season and maybe sneak a, a quarter final win uh, With the Munster game as well it was interesting we were um talking about the two games was reflecting on them because there was such it was such a similar really last 10 minutes with both games that they're kind of hanging in the yeah. balance and then end up like convincing victories but I suppose Munster again it's that they just are out in the legs they don't seem to have the strength and depth whereas also when you have the likes of O'Toole and O'Sullivan do you know you can see that there's they're, they're kind of you know that experience is probably going to stand them going forward whereas Munster maybe this is just the level they're at right now yeah, I I think Munster. I actually didn't watch on TV. I listened to Michael Michael Corcoran um, on the radio, and it's it sort of it felt like Munster, even though they were in the game the whole game, it felt like the passing had another gear to go into. And then when they did find themselves twenty two twenty nine with you know what ten minutes on the clock, I know it was a inspirational bit of skill by Terry Thomas to, to get the ball down in the corner or did it get down we don't know why all these dodgy yeah. camera angles um, but it did feel like they get up at another year and unfortunately for Munster uh, they ran out of a bit of gas uh, slipped off a couple of tackles their tackle percentage wasn't great uh, during the day and you know they were convincingly beaten in the end but I don't think you know if you stop the game after 70 minutes you could say look probably Passing where you always felt like they could up it, but Munster would have run out victorious. But that's just the way the rugby's going at the minute for Munster. They're finding themselves in a difficult position. And um, when you're in that a, a small bit of a hole, it really is hard to get out of it. And, um, you know, another defeat for them. And it just keeps building up the pressure on the, on the coaching staff and, uh, and all the Munster lads. Yeah, I was actually saw you were um, retweeting a few really interesting stats about the fact that they've got the most carries so far this year in the Champions Cup, but yet the least uh, metres per carry of any team. Like, is that something that shows, is it indicative of the problem that they have, that they're kind of going down the same hole and they're not getting anywhere? Yeah, I, I think so. It's the creativity and everybody was so excited about Joey Harper coming back and now he's out with his wrist injury. 
Um, seen a photo of him, photo of him on Instagram. He, he looks like he's got a bit of a plaster. Um, that's not good news, obviously from an Irish perspective and Munster. But you know, JJ Hanlon equipped himself really, really well at the weekend. Um, got off to a half decent start, knocking over a couple of penalties. It was good for his confidence. But I think you know, with Scannell and Farrell in the centres, there's there's not that much creativity between the two big fellas. Like they are two big guys and they are pretty direct. Um, and I think, you know, with Conway, who is one of the best players in, in Irish rugby, the, the ability that he has, they need to get the ball to him more often. How often do you see Conway scoring tries on the edge with the ball getting you know, fed out to him along the line and then scoring after five or six phases or 10 or 15 phases? Rarely Conway's always, you know, popping up at the right time and, you know, inside balls off 10. And, you know, he's always scoring those uh, tries, you know, almost like poacher tries instead of just finishing them off at the corner and uh, you know, like I, I just think that Monster's creativity is lacking slightly but at the same time when they're leaking tries you know, I think there's a, there's a crazy stat that, that the amount of tries that Monster leaked in first three phases of play is something like 90% of the tries that they can see is in the first three phases so you know, that's something in other areas of the game that they need to look at um, and uh, yeah they're just in a different position at the minute it's funny, you know, we always build up on the show. It's called the build up, but you know, there's not that much to really get our teeth stuck into this weekend. Like it's um it's funny for round six, you know, we're always knee deep in permutations at this stage, but ultimately what we're looking at is Lancer kind of like, you know, pretty much locked in and we've got Ulster, you know, pretty much locked in, you would think, to the to the you know, the the the, yeah. the best runners up. And, you know, Munster a lot a lot would have to go their way for them to get through at this stage. We don't really think it's their their year and Connacht are kind of gone. It's it is a bit of a strange one. Do you think that the competition has lacked luster a little bit this year? Compared to other years, or is it just like a coincidence of, of the, the way the rounds have kind of have, have come up? I, I I just don't sense the same kind of general excitement there as there has been in the past. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, I think you know something that I've noticed, I actually when Ulster beat Bath in that first game away from home, that Bath almost threw the towel in. You know, straight after that game, and I've been really disappointing the way throughout the tournament. Once Leinster went to Leon, who were flying high at the top of the, the French top 14. When they got that away victory, they more or less through the tile in and there seems to be another couple of teams there also. So you know, you know, the likes of Gloss are still in and after getting by to lose uh, at home. But it just feels that, you know, there's four or five teams that are a good bit better than everybody else. And, you know, there's other two or three positions in, in the top eight. Will be like they're going to be snapped up um, by the likes of Saracens, by the likes of Ulster, um, and you know it, it just seems that there hasn't been the same anticipation coming in the in the round six as there has been in previous years. Uh, before we let you go, it's, as we mentioned this, some of the game, a lot of the games have wrapped up. It's a difficult one for making any predictions for the weekend. Have any bets caught your eye? You're looking at like us are massive favourites here. I'm seeing us bat. They're uh, 23 points point favourites. It's almost like uh, yeah. trying to find it or uh, you know sticking a what's the phrase? I'm trying to stick a needle, find a needle in a haystack, but it's like pin the tail on the donkey trying to guess what. <laughs> <laughs> what the Mark's confusing his uh, farmyard games against. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You're, 
It's like looking for a Mars bar in a bucket of shit. <laughs> Ten to eleven on labrooks.com. Um, thanks a million, Stephen. No problem. Cheers, lad.